I'm Kat. I'm Taylor. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. We are continuing our ghostly theme this week, which was suggested by our wonderful friend Melissa. And this week we are bringing you the case of the Greenbrier Ghost, which, as far as we can tell, is the only case in the world (laughs) where a ghost has testified as to who killed them. So without further ado, let's get into it. Take it away. Uh, I just, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, so we are, yep, we are going back to West Virginia in the 1890s for the story of the death of Elva Zona Heaster. Now, not a great deal seems to be known about Elva Zona Heaster and her life. Uh, despite the fact that she was carrying around some serious names. Yeah, she she mostly went by Zona, Zona. so... Better. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, what we do know is that she was born sometime in 1873 at the foot of Little Sewell Mountain. Uh, she was the third of five children, all brothers, and she was raised in the farming community of Richlands in Greenbrier County. She was known by her middle name, Zona, and she had a child out of wedlock in 1895, which, as we all know, is just so scandalous. Just too much. It's not what we do around these parts. I mean, no no shame on the guy who got her pregnant. It's just her fault. It's Yes, obviously. Uh, now, according to a website called The Witchery, spelled with a Y at the beginning, not just the end. Uh, the child's father was a local man named George. How how very uh, bland. <laughs> Com- I know, compared I mean, to Elvazona. You've got Elvazona. And then and George. George. <laughs> uh, so local man named George, but he had no money to marry Zona and bring up their child. So he skipped town. The same website also says that there's no record of the child beyond their birth and that Ancestry.com are even offering a reward for anyone who can provide any information about Zona's child after 1895. Uh, And that same website does seem to insinuate that the child was given up for adoption. But, you know, it's unclear. Yeah, it's all very kind of, well, she... She wasn't seen for a few months, and so everyone thinks she had a child, but she might not have, but it's in some records, but not in others. But maybe not. It's, it's like town gossip, but it's totally true, but who knows, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those kind of things. Um, now, sadly for Zona Heaster, uh, it's not so much her life that she's remembered for, but rather her afterlife, uh, which we will get to in a little bit. Uh, Zona's mother's family were from the Rennick area, which is about 25 miles away from Little Sewell, and that's where the Heaster family lived, that's where Zona had grown up. Now, it's believed that following this pregnancy and the ensuing shame she brought upon her family, Zona, who was then aged about 23, left home and settled with her cousins in Rennick which at the time was known as Falling Springs. Hmm, that's a cute sounds, name. Yeah, that sounds very picturesque and lovely. 
Uh, sometime in the summer of 1896, a man named Erasmus Stribbing Shoe, known to everyone as Trout, rocked up in the Greenbrier County town of Rennick looking for work as a blacksmith, as well as a new start. And that he found, working for a local man named James Crookshanks. A few months after Trout arrived in Rennick, or Falling Springs, whichever you prefer, he and Zona met, and the pair fell quickly in love, and they were married in October of 1896. They ain't messing around. No. But not everyone was happy about the union. Uh, or their marriage. <laughs> 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 Give me that one. It's getting late. Uh, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Uh, Zona's mother reportedly had taken an instant dislike to Trout, and he wasn't exactly without baggage himself. So, uh, as promised before we started recording, uh, my childhood nickname was Trout. It's a stupid name. No, it's not. Trout. Why were you called Trout? Well, so, when I was born, so you know how, like, when you go fishing, and sometimes you catch a fish and it's, like, too small to keep, and so you throw it back, right? But then, like, when you catch a fish that's, like, it's a good fish, so, like, you keep it, right? So, hmm. when I was born, apparently the doctor who delivered me delivered me and then said this one's a keeper like a fish so my father nicknamed me trout wow <laughs> now my mother surely will listen to this episode at some point and if that's wrong we'll have a correction for you in the next episode <laughs> um but yes that's that's the gist of it so i was i was always trout which, you know, I like it. I have a lot of, like, rainbow trout-themed things from my child. Like, I had a, like, a set of little hooks. And uh, at one point, one day, my dad came home <laughs> with a rainbow trout stuffed animal. But, like, it was on uh, a big styrofoam tray shrink-wrapped like you would... Uh, buy like a whole fish from a fishmonger. <laughs> wow. Uh, I always loved that. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, but I, I'm a better trout than this guy. This guy, okay. he was not a good trout. No, he was a bad trout. He was a bad he was trout. He was a rotten trout. Rotten trout. Um, now, uh, trout was in his early 30s when he arrived in Rennick. He had grown up in the neighboring county of Fayette. Uh, he was a son of a blacksmith, and he followed in his father's footsteps. At some point, the family moved to Droop Mountain. Like, the names in this story, right? It's, an, it's actually still called Droop Mountain. I love it. It's bizarre, and I love it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> they moved to Droop Mountain, which is located on the border between Pocahontas County and Greenbrier County. Uh, with this in mind, at some point in mid-1894, Trout married his second wife, 16-year-old Lucy, uh, although he would have been around 15 years older than her. Let's just say ew. Yes. Because 
No. Although, unfortunately, not uncommon for the time. Um, the couple settled in the area of Droop Mountain, where Trout's family lived, but, af- uh, but about six months later, in February 1895, Lucy was dead. The official explanation was that Trout was doing work on the chimney in their home when he dropped a brick down the chimney at the exact same moment that Lucy just happened to have her head in the fireplace. Sure. Uh, Lucy died from the blunt force trauma to her head, but there were plenty in the local area who didn't believe that. And we think that it is fair to say that that could have been a pretty big factor in Trout's decision to relocate to Greenbrier. Because remember, this is back in the day when you could literally move five miles down the road and start a new life in the next town or village. Yeah. So you don't really have to go far. I have some thoughts. Our house has an open fireplace. And I know that you do not stick your head in the fireplace to clean it out. You will get soot in your hair and on your face. And it's just not practical. Even if you have a big fireplace, you still don't stick your whole head in there. Yeah. You reach in. Yes. And you brush. Yes. Now, maybe this is a very sort of rustic basic chimney but usually there's a flu situation so Mm -hmm. a brick isn't just gonna fall straight through despite what we've been told about santa claus for all these years like it's not a it's not usually a straight line yeah it's not (laughs) it's not usually just like an open tube in your house that things can come in and out of (laughs) so yeah and you'd have like, so, okay, your husband's outside doing work on the chimney. You're, even if you are cleaning the fireplace out at that time, you would be conscious of that. And if you hurt, like, this brick is going to rattle down the chimney. Yeah. So you got chance to react. Yeah, like, it just seems, it seems a oh. little bit unbelievable. Also, middle of winter, West Virginia, are you doing stonemasonry work? No. On the outside of your house? No, you're not. Uh, in case you haven't worked it out, we ain't buying what he's selling. We are suspicious of this. Yeah. But anyway, he started a new life in Greenbrier County. He met Zona. They married. And they lived seemingly happily for about three months. But in January 1897, Zona died. God, this guy's not really got a good track record, huh? so unlucky uh on january 23rd 1897 trout went to the house of a neighbor named martha jones and asked if her son anderson would do some chores around his and zona's house he explained that zona wasn't feeling well and needed help collecting the eggs from their chickens and taking them and taking them to where she usually sold them Uh, trout left to go to work but returned to the jones house four times to check whether or not Anderson had been to help Zona out with the chores. Now is probably a good time to point out that the Jones family were one of the few black families in the area and that Trout was a very big, angry white man. So when he came back increasingly angry each time, um, that Anderson hadn't gone to help with the 
egg collecting and various other chores. His mother told him to go quickly and do what the angry white man said. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is only, what, 30 years after the Civil War? Yes, yeah. So, In, are we in Virginia or West Virginia? Uh, We're in West Virginia. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that was a Confederate state. Um, Could be wrong about that. Okay. West Virginia is one of two American states formed during the American Civil War, along with Nevada, and is the only state to form by seceding from a Confederate state. Oh. So it split off from Virginia. So Anderson left and headed to the Shoe household, and that was where he found 23-year-old Zona Shoe dead at the bottom of the stairs. The boy left and ran back home to tell his mother, and she called Dr. Knapp, the local doctor and coroner. Now, we're not sure where Trout was at this time or who told him about his wife's death, but he got back home pretty quickly. And by the time Dr. Knapp got to the house, an hour after being informed of Zona's death, Trout had already cleaned and prepared Zona's body. At that time, it was customary that family members would clean and dress the body of a deceased relative ready for the funeral. However, usually it was female family members who did this, or if there weren't any female relatives, it would be women of the local community. It wasn't really a man's job. Suspicious. Uh, Trout had dressed Zona in a high-collared dress and scarf, which he insisted was her favourite. Uh, despite the women of the community telling him that it just didn't go with the rest of the outfit. <laughs> um, and he also placed a thick veil over her face. Uh, Dr. Knapp uh, did begin to perform a post-mortem exam, but this was frequently interrupted by Trout's outbursts of grief, particularly the wailing and screaming, every time Knapp tried to inspect the body. Uh, particularly the upper half of the body. I could see how that might be distracting. Mm. Uh, The doctor did manage to conduct a brief examination, which ended up being more for show than anything due to Trout's interruptions. He noted a slight bruising to Zona's neck, but when he tried to get a closer look, Trout reacted violently, and Knapp ended up just leaving the house. Nobody thought this was suspicious at all. Clearly not. What do you mean? That's what's supposed to happen. Also, it's not really explained what violent, like, him reacting violently means. If this was, like, a violent outpouring of grief and he was, like, throwing himself on the floor. Yeah. Or if he was, like, attacking the doctor or something. Yeah. Or if he was, like, trying to attack the doctor. So Could be any number of fun reactions. Yeah, very kind of ambiguous descriptions. (laughs) Then there was the cause of death, because after all, Zona was only 23, and she was considered to be a fairly healthy woman. First, Knapp listed, quote, everlasting faint as Zona's cause of death, which, what? (laughs) Uh, I wonder if that's like, you know, like, you you can literally like die of fright or shock. Yeah. I wonder if it's like she just fainted and died. Maybe. Everlasting faint. I love it. Um, so that was the first conclusion. Uh, the second conclusion was uh, that her cause of death was childbirth. 
um, because he claimed he'd been treating Zona for, quote, female troubles for two weeks leading up to her death. Now, nobody actually knows whether or not Zona was pregnant. If she was, she hadn't told anyone, and it wasn't actually in her medical records. Yeah, I mean, even even today, miscarriage can cause death mm-hmm. in the mother. Absolutely. Childbirth is still, like, one of the most dangerous processes the, fe- the human body can go through. Yeah. It does still kill, like, thousands of women. Um... So it is feasible, yeah. If she was actually pregnant to start with, that's the thing. You kind of have to be, be one to have the other. Um, so, a bit confusing. Yeah. Uh, Zona's parents were informed that she had died, and her mother Mary Jane reportedly said upon hearing the news that quote, "The devil has killed her." Uh, Zona's funeral was held the following day. Trout organised a wake at their home, but he once again reacted strangely. Whenever anyone got too close to Zona's head or face, uh, as he had done during the postmortem, he went into strange fits of grief, wailing and screaming one minute, and was full of energy the next, and always fussing over the casket to stop anyone getting too close. Most of these outbursts were chalked up to grief, which, you know, does manifest itself in strange ways. But when it came time to move the body, uh, people noticed sort of a strange, quote-unquote, looseness to Zona's neck. I'd say that would be strange. She don't really get in a body that's gone into rigor mortis. No. Uh, She was laid to rest at the Seoul Chapel Methodist Cemetery. But she didn't exactly rest. At least if you believe her mother's story, that is. <laughs> so, prior to the burial, Zona's mother, Mary Jane, removed a sheet from the casket and tried to return it to Trout, but he didn't want it. So, Mary Jane took it home to clean. Now, according to Wikipedia, which we all know is the unfailable beacon of truth, and shalt not be questioned. Uh, Mary Jane washed the sheet because it had an odor, but it turned red. Then the sheet turned pink and the water cleared, leaving a stain which Mary Jane could not wash out. Now, I know in this situation, I might be thinking, well, this is a really stubborn stain. Mary Jane, however, took this as a sign that her daughter had been murdered. Not that she yeah. needed some bleach. I read that past... I mean, it's it's referenced in, like, every source that something to do with, like, the staining of the sheet led to her <laughs> belief that her daughter had been murdered. But I just read it so many times, and I was like, huh? <laughs> make it make sense. Because it doesn't. It doesn't. That's your answer. It's It's not gonna. <laughs> Um, so Mary Jane was a devout Christian and she prayed every night for her daughter to come back and explain what had really happened the day she died. And every night for four weeks, she prayed until finally one night her prayers were answered. According to an article on Medium, one night, about four weeks after Zona's death, 
Mary Jane had said her nightly prayers and just settled down to go to bed, and a strange light entered the bedroom. Just what you want as you're settling down to sleep. Yeah, really, I'd be pissed. (laughs) Uh, This light, or aura, as some have described it, began to take a human shape, and Mary Jane quickly realised that her prayers had been answered and it was her daughter, Zona. Zona told her mother that the night before Anderson had found her at the bottom of the stairs, Trout had come home from work, and Zona had prepared dinner. But she had only served apple butter, a spread of preserves, and bread. She had not cooked any meat. And according to the ghost, this sent Trout into a blind rage. Within seconds, he had snapped her neck. Okay. Everyone loves a meat dinner. True, true. Uh, The ghost also claimed that it was not the first time Trout had hit her, that he had a terrible temper, and once he flew into a rage, he could not be reasoned with. Zona's ghost returned to her mother at night for the next four nights, and they talked at length about all manner of things, according to Mary Jane. Yeah, so just like a nice, nice nightly chit chat with your uh, daughter's ghost is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, now, Mary Jane had not visited Zona and Trout following their marriage and had not seen their home, but she was able to describe it because she claimed the ghost had told her all about it on one of her visits, which was helpful. Uh, before vanishing after her fifth and final visit to her mother, Zona, or Zona's ghost, uh, rotated her head, showing her mother that her neck had been broken. This is all getting a little bit, uh, exorcist, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, kinda. Uh, Um, now, Mary Jane had taken an instant dislike to Trout, and she had been sure that he had something to do with Zona's death even before these ghostly visits. So now that she had quote-unquote proof that he had killed Zona, she wasn't going to sit idly by. Armed with all of this new information, Mary Jane headed to the prosecutor's office in Lewisburg. Initially, the prosecuting attorney, John Preston, dismissed Mary Jane's tales as some sort of grief-induced hallucination. But, after a quick review of the facts, his interest was piqued by the fact that Dr. Knapp hadn't conducted a full examination of the body, and that Trout had disrupted any attempt to get close to the body, so he ordered that Zona's body be exhumed. I just had a quick thought there. So, if Zona's mother had never been to the house, does that mean she like wasn't even at her own daughter's funeral? It's like how quickly Trout made sure this was all done. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that is a bit confusing. Like, that, mm, mm. See, I was all convinced here for for a minute because, like, it's like, oh, she hadn't seen the house, but she could describe it. But, like, she probably went to the funeral because she removed a sheet from the casket, which was stained because she didn't Mm. have the bleach that she needed. Yeah, so, hmm. But the wake was at the house, so... But yeah, so, you know. Hmm. Hmm. 
Mary Jane, your story does not add up. Now, uh, it has been suggested that Mary Jane was not the only one trying to put pressure on uh, Prosecutor Preston to investigate Zona's death because there was increasing suspicion in Rennick that Trout had killed his wife. Uh, following the exhumation of Zona's body, Dr. Knapp conducted a second autopsy along with Dr. Rupert and Dr. McClung. Great name. Great name. Uh, and this happened on February 22nd. Uh, Trout was present for the examination, and although he seemed largely unbothered, uh, he he did react when the doctors got to Zona's head and neck when he became visibly shaken. Uh, Trout had complained that Zona's body was being exhumed to begin with, and said that he knew he would be arrested, but nobody would be able to prove that he murdered Zona. The examination took three days, and the doctors discovered that Zona had fingertip bruises around her neck, and that her second and third vertebrae had been broken, just as Mary Jane claimed the ghost had told her. A coroner's inquest was held on March 1st, 1897, and on March 3rd, the autopsy report was released and declared that Zona had been murdered. As Trout had predicted, he was arrested and charged with murder following the inquest. He denied murdering his wife, and he was held in a Lewisburg jail until his trial began in June. But, whilst he was being held and awaiting trial, a lot more began to come out about Trout's past. Uh, it turns out that the death of his wife Lucy was only half the story, because Lucy was in fact Trout's second wife. His marriage to his first wife had ended in divorce. Uh, his first wife told of his violent temper and cruelty towards her, and whilst he was in jail, he also bragged about how there was no evidence to convict him, and how he planned to have seven wives in total once he'd been released. Now, that's a weird number. To just, it seems like an arbitrary number. Unless you're going for like seven, seven wives for seven brothers, kind of like. Seven days of the week. Oh. Seven deadly maybe. sins. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only had two of his wives died suspiciously, and, you know, accused of horrendous cruelty to the other wife, he'd also been doing a bit of our favorite old time crime horse thieving. You gotta love it. Like,. I mean, it was the downfall of H.H. It was. It was. Texas. Capital of crime. I mean, there's no more information on the horse thieving that I could find, but, you know. It's good to know. Clearly, it was very, very serious yes. in the 1890s yes. to steal a horse. And it's good to know that he was, like, truly a man of his time. Uh, his trial began on June 22nd, 1897 at the Greenbrier Circuit Court. The prosecution decided not to call Mary Jane Heaster as a witness, uh, worried that her talk of Zona's ghost would discredit the entire case, which I think is interesting that, like, even back then they were like, huh, gotta put the brakes yeah. on here, this lady's a little bit out there. 
I think this is towards, this is right at the, the very end of the 19th century and attitudes were beginning to change. You know, we were a lot more scientifically minded. Yeah, and also the whole... The whole spiritualism craze of the sort of mid-1800s, I think, was also fading out. And I think a lot of people viewed those beliefs as sort of like negative and um, manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, you can just stay home. It's fine. So instead, they focused on the second autopsy and Trout's bizarre behavior following Zona's death and at the wake. The case was largely circumstantial, but hell, it was 1897. They went with what they had. But the defense, obviously well-versed in Mary Jane's ghost story, story, decided that they would call her as a witness for the exact reasons that the prosecution chose not to. Uh, (laughs) And they hoped to use her to discredit the entire investigation. Uh, But this didn't go exactly as they planned. Uh, Trout's past obviously came out at trial. The allegations of abuse from his first wife, the suspicious death of his second wife, and of course, the horse thievery. Of course. Uh, Trout himself claimed that the charges were the result of having a hateful, spiteful mother-in-law and denied it all. (laughs) Then Mary Jane took to the stand. The defence obviously tried to ridicule her, claiming that she had a hallucination which led to the exhumation and second autopsy of Zona's body. But Mary Jane retorted that it was no hallucination and that Zona's presence on those nights was real. Despite hours of questioning from the defence, Mary Jane never wavered from her story and her conviction that it was Zona who had come back and told her how she died. Well, there you go. Uh, No matter how hard the judge tried to impress upon the jury that a ghost story is not actually evidence and that they were to disregard that portion of Mary Jane's testimony... The idea of Zona coming back to testify took hold in the community, and it was helped by the fact that she had not seen her daughter's body properly during the wake, but was able to pinpoint all of Zona's injuries before the second autopsy was carried out. Uh, Before the jury retired to consider a verdict, the judge warned that their options were guilty of murder or acquittal. There was no in-between. Bit like uh, last week's case. Yeah. The Hammersmith ghost where they're like, oh no, it was mer- manslaughter. And I was like, no, no. No, no. It was murder or it Go was back. acquittal. Go back. Figure Go it back out. and think about what you have done. Yeah. Uh, so after an hour and 10 minutes, they came back with a verdict of guilty. On July 11th, Trout was sentenced to life in prison. There were riots outside the jail and a lynch mob was formed to take him from the jail and hang him. Uh, But this was quickly quelled by the local sheriff's deputy and Trout was transported to the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville. He stayed there for three years until he was found dead on March 13th, 1900. Oh. So yeah. yeah. And he would only be in his mid to late 30s at this point. This is a well-timed episode that we're recording, since by the time this comes out, March 13th will have been 
last Saturday. Indeed. Uh, Mary Jane Heaster maintained that she had been visited by Zona's ghost on those either four or five nights again. Sources vary. <laughs> uh, yeah, she maintained this until the day she died in September 1916. But Zona's ghost was never seen or heard from again. And that is the case of the Greenbrier ghost, the only case in US history, and we think world history, yeah, where probably. a ghost has given evidence in a murder investigation. <sighs> it's kind of Shakespearean in a way. <laughs> you know? It's like very Hamlet of them. Um, I love it. I find it very interesting. Um, I don't think I believe in ghosts. I fully believe that people have visions uh, mm -hmm. during grief where they think they see a loved one. Mm -hmm. I don't believe they're really ghosts. I think it's things that people find comfort in. Yeah. Um. So the thing about the house, she went to the wake, so I don't understand how that thing about how, oh, she'd never been to the house, but the wake was at the house. Yeah. So and, does that mean yeah. that she just met them at the church? Maybe? I don't know. I think she was at the house. I think she'd been to the house. What? The injuries? If. Unless she was just like so, you know, just very, very well attuned to the way he was behaving. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't let anyone near the head or the, the neck or anything. He, you know, wouldn't let anyone... You know, he wouldn't let the other women do, you know, dress her yeah. and prepare her body for burial. There was a thick veil, the scarf, everything. So, unless she was just convinced that there was something to do with that and just got lucky that the prosecutor was like, okay, we'll take a look, and then looked through and realised, oh, there wasn't a proper examination because he was so disruptive. Yeah. I don't really think a ghost came back and told her. But I do think it's interesting that it had, you know, the the prosecution were worried that the ghost story would completely derail their case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the defense thought it would win it for them. And it did the exact opposite. Yeah, right? Like, I think it worked out pretty well for the prosecution in the mm -hmm. end. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, if you think about it from the point of view of, like, she, say she didn't actually see a ghost, but she had this suspicion that this guy had murdered her daughter. Mm. So then she comes up with this story, quite convincing, clearly, and manages to persuade the local prosecutor the local medical examiner or coroner or whatever mm -hmm. to re-examine her, her daughter's body after she was buried. Like, she gets this case brought to trial, essentially, all mm -hmm. on that, like, you know, mother's conviction. And, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's... <sighs> It's almost um, 
like the ends justify the means type of yeah. thing. Like, well, we're not really sure how we got here, but we but got we here. Got here. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, it, it, it's interesting. The whole thing about the sheet and the uh, stain that that one that's over my head. Um, yeah. But hey, yeah, like you said, y- you got where you needed to go with it. Yeah. Um. Although it is the only case where a ghost is, you know, given evidence, it's uh, there is a case that's a little bit similar uh, in Australia. So an Englishman who, you know, went out and lived in Australia in the 18-somethings, um, a man named Fisher. He lived in Campbelltown, which was sort of a rural outpost at the time. It's now a suburb of Sydney. Mm-hmm. It's just as, you know, being swallowed up by the city, essentially. Uh, he disappeared one day, and four months later, another local saw his ghost sitting on a bridge over a little stream, and the ghost pointed in a direction, yeah. and this man was, you know, very, you know, shocked and confused and all the rest of it, uh, went back, told all the locals, oh my god, I've just seen Fisher's ghost, blah, 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 blah. No one believed him. Anyway, they went and looked in the area where the ghost pointed, and they found Fisher's remains. Oh. That has been written off as the guy who saw the ghost actually knew where the body was and just needed a non-suspicious story. Yeah. Rather than, oh yeah, kind of know where he's buried. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. But... The ghost did not feature in the trial. <laughs> yeah, that that one's pretty darn unique, I think. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, maybe we should have more ghost testimony. It would be useful, wouldn't it? Imagine it would. all the murder trials. That, yeah. You know, all the you know taxpayers' expense that could be saved yeah. if we could just get a ghost in the dock and say who murdered just you. Be like, uh, it's that guy. I know who it was. Mm. Yeah. Um, I love these old cases, especially the sort of like these supernatural ones, because they're just like, they're so good. And they're so, a part of me kind of loves that like the sources are not super clear or like all over the place because it leaves an element of like folklore and like mythicality to it all. Too, which I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, and we so. love folklore. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so th- this is a good one. A lot of good names in this. Yeah. We learned a little bit about uh, the history of West Virginia. I'd never known yeah. before. So, you know, it's a good one. I don't think the ghost was real. I think it was just a very, I think that Mary Jane was just very, very sort of astute and very tuned into the way Trout was behaving at the wake. Yeah, I can see that. Um, And she just kind of bided her time for a few weeks until she figured out a way to to get everyone's attention. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's so much to be said, I think, for that, like, mother's intuition kind of thing Mm. like they just know they always know so like i don't know 
I I I could totally see that like she's just clever enough to come up with this thing that convinces everyone to like pay attention. Yeah. So good job, Mary Jane. Yep. You solved Welcome, the Mary mystery. Jane. Yeah, and, and she stuck with her story even after he died. I know, that's so. impressive. Yeah. So or maybe she I really did like have this vision or hallucination. And I mean, uh, stranger things have happened. Yeah, that's the thing. I like, mean you get, you know, people who, you know, supposedly being reincarnated and they can, you know, they talk about their past life as if they actually lived it and things like that. So Yeah. No, it's not not unheard of, the sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So who knows? Exactly. Uh so let us know if you know. And uh, we're still waiting, guys. Now you need to tell us if you have ghost stories. Yeah, come and tell us. Give us your ghost stories. Please. Like and seriously, tell us. You can uh tell us on social media or you could even like write into us via our website. Um because like I, I want to know, and if there's some really good ones, we could even read them out in a future episode. Like, so, Yeah, send please. us your ghost stories, and we'll read them out. Yeah, tell us your ghost stories, because I think this is fascinating. I have not encountered a ghost, but I am open to the possibility, and mm. and I'm uh, excited if and when it happens to me. If it's a friendly ghost. If it's a mean ghost, then yeah, not so excited. But uh, you know. A barn owl flew at my car a few weeks ago. That's that looked kind of like a ghost. That's not a ghost. In. That's a bird. I know, but when you're in, when you've got like full beam headlights and there's this big white bird coming flying towards you, it's the nearest I've got to a ghost story. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so do do tell us what you think of this. If you think Mary Jane saw a uh, uh, Zona's ghost or not, and yeah, send us your ghost stories because we want to know. And um, if you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy the podcast in general, we would very much love it if you could give us a rating and a review and subscribe to us, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Uh, Or if your particular podcast listening platform doesn't give you those options, you could leave us a Facebook review on our Facebook page. Uh, All these things really help us get in front of more people and uh yeah which which we want to do because we want to have so many internet friends to talk to yeah because they're the only real friends we can have in this current climate yes everyone's internet friends now um if you want to rep square square mile of murder on your zoom calls your skype calls sometime we will be allowed out yeah, yeah. in the big wide world we have merch. We do. Uh, there's three designs. They're on t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, jumpers, bags. I think we have a face mask. Yep. There's a face yeah. mask. There's mugs. There's posters, phone cases. Phone cases are cool. That's fun. Everything um, and anything you could want. Yeah. Uh, the link is in the episode description for the merch store. It's on social media. It's on our website. For this month only, because Taylor's getting old, we are offering 30% off all of our merch all month long with the code OMG30. Yes. Because Taylor was 30 last week. Yes. I am now, as you are listening to this, 30. (laughs) 
And if you want to go even further, you could become a patron supporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, tiers start at just £1 or $1 a month. Uh, you get regular episodes a day early for $2 or £2 a month or more. You get some exclusive merch that you can't buy anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you also get a bonus episode where we go completely insane and go off script for a whole hour. We don't even have a script to start with, so, you know, yeah, it's fun. So if you like the random bits of this podcast and you just want like a concentrated dose of that once a month, Go go be a two pound patron. That's what you get. <laughs> if you would like a proper episode, bonus episode, <laughs> um, come in at five pound a month or more. Yeah, it's all on our Patreon site, patreon.com slash Squamile of Murder. With that, we will see. Oh, we'll see our two pound and up patrons on Friday for yeah. our rambly nonsense. Yeah, for that totally crazy unscripted shenanigans episode yeah and everyone else we will be back next week with another spooky supernatural true crime story yeah exciting yeah and we'll see you then yep thanks bye bye